Did a doctor commit double homicide simply because he hated fat people? Then we take a look at a cheating scandal that's currently rocking the world of chess. Is it possible that a chess player inserted anal beads into his butthole so he could get messages beamed from an AI into his anus? And more importantly, has this AI anus bot been affecting your life as well? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. Hope you guys have some awesome plans for the weekend. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're getting started right away. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command is some of our longtime Patreon supporters. Everyone give it up for Cole and Danielle. Woohoo, yeah! Come on in, the dastardly duo walking into Dead Rabbit Command against their will. They don't want to be on the anal beat episode. The reason why we're highlighting Cole and Danielle isn't just because they're longtime Patreon supporters, but recently, Cole and Danielle, they have a production company called Cretan Cave Productions, and they sent me a, it's really cool, I'll put it in the show notes, we've already been talking about it on YouTube, but a lot of you guys haven't been aware of it, Cretan Cave Productions made a mock-up as if Dead Rabbit Radio was a late-night paranormal mysteries show. This is what the television intro would be. So it's really, really cool. It's kind of that, what do they call it, lo-fi horror VHS uh, stuff. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a particular genre nowadays. But it's really, really cool. They're actually now looking at maybe doing a cheesy commercial for Dead Rabbit Radio as if it was a television show as well or just a, it's really awesome what you guys do. It's really, really fascinating. Today's fan art is a screen grab from their intro. And go ahead and check it out. Check it out and uh, subscribe to their YouTube channel because this is a community thing, really. This is so awesome. What you guys do for this show always, always amazes me. So, Cole and Danielle, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon or if you can't make... Lo-fi horror, whatever the genre is, that's okay too. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Cole and Danielle, go ahead and each grab onto the hair hang glider. Take us up to the highest point of Dead Rabbit Command and jump off. We're gliding all the way out to a hospital. Longtime fans of the show know I'm a big advocate. A physical fitness. I love it. I love people getting fit. I think that's one of the reasons why I love Cobra Kai so much, because it's about people training to get better. That's why I love wrestling, right? It's people at their peak physical fitness. <laughs> and steroids, which I personally don't have a problem with steroids. We've talked about that before. As long as it's not in any sort of competitive sport. If some movie actor wants to all of a sudden put on 40 pounds of muscle, you guys all know who I'm talking about. Pretty much 90% of Marvel's his superhero lineup, right? If they want to do steroids, whatever, I don't care. And if you want to do steroids and you want to be in WWE, <laughs> that's not a competitive sport. It's a great physical art form. But I'm a huge fan of physical fitness. It's something that I enjoy doing myself. And it's something that I enjoy encouraging other people to do. So a lot of times I will go to this board called the Fit Board. And on the Fit Board, they talk about physical fitness. And there's a lot of really good information on there. 
You're talking about, you know, good exercises to do for certain body parts. People will post photos of other people and say, can I achieve this body? <laughs> It'll be a picture of Goku, right? It'll be a picture of some anime character. But is this achievable? Can I do this? There's a lot of stuff where people are saying, you know, I was out in town today and somebody admired my biceps and I just started lifting a couple months ago and it's the first time a woman ever paid attention to me. There's also a lot of guys on there who call themselves incels and things like that and, you know, that they've never had the attention of a woman. So it feels good, but they don't know how to respond when a cute girl smiles at them. It's a, it's a fun board. It's a fun board. However, there is a particular post that pops up every once in a while called Fat People Hate, where they post people. It's kind of what it sounds like, right? They post pictures of Lizzo and make fun of her. It's not, it's not all Lizzo. It's not all Lizzo, but those are the photos that are going around right now. They post pictures of fat people, and they make fun of them. The reason why we're headed past all of the useful information and past all of the self-esteem building thing, like, I would like to get there someday as well. Someday I also want to be a two-dimensional character throwing fireballs out of my hands. We're going to move past all the motivational stuff. We're going to the fat person hate board because we have this post that's... I've seen it posted a couple times here and i wanted to discuss it with you because if this is true and there's a debate over whether it is not true like anything on the internet we just don't know but let's take a look at this because it's terrifying it's terrifying and it makes sense i actually believe this story is true back in 2020 there was a doctor working at a hospital and this was during the time of COVID, and this was like peak COVID, right? When people were still trying to figure out what was going on, how do we stop it? And if you can't stop it, what are the necessary steps made to keep people alive in a hospital setting? Like this is early COVID time where they're hooking people up to these respirators. They're filling up. These emergency wards are filling up pretty quickly. Back in 2020, there was a doctor working at a hospital, and these two overweight people show up these two overweight people show up with covid and apparently according to this doctor they're being super obnoxious super obnoxious they were being abusive they're being obnoxious they're being abusive that's how the doctor described them and it got to the point where they had to be sedated and then intubated and that's where they shoved the tube down your throat to help you breathe well, what's happening is more and more patients are coming into the hospital and more and more patients need to be intubated, but they only have a certain amount of the HFNCs, which is the um, high-flow oxygen therapy machines. And the doctor says what happened was two kids ended up getting COVID, and they also had very, very bad cases of this. Their oxygen rates were steadily dropping, and they realized we need to put them on these machines, but... They don't have any. They don't have any left. All the machines that are used, because it's a specialized machine, right? Who would have thought you would need 15 in a hospital? They've run out of machines. They have these two kids. So what this doctor confessed to online was that they sabotaged the lab work for the overweight people. What this doctor did was actually make it, change the paperwork, to show that they were worse off than they actually were. And then this doctor took these reports to other doctors and said, look at this, look at this report. They're so bad off, even with this breathing machine, they're not going to make it. And the doctor looks at it and goes, man, you know, 
we really don't want to take people off machines that they're on the machines. Like that's the only reason why they're alive. Yeah, I know. But look at this paperwork. They're just not going to make it. Even on the machines, they're not going to make it. And the other doctors weren't recognizing that this report was falsified. And he goes, I continue to go around and talk to all the other doctors who are in charge of these decisions and say, look at we ha- look at these two people. They're just not going to make it. But we have two kids that still have a chance. And the doctor's like, man, that's a huge decision to take somebody off of a life-saving machine. But, I mean, looking at your report, yeah, you're right. Like, they're not going to make it. And the dude's like, yeah, they're not. So according to him, the two overweight patients were taken off the breathing machines moved to another part of the hospital and the two kids were hooked up to the machines. The two overweight people ended up dying. The two children fully recovered. Now you could argue that, I, let's assume the story's real, right? Because it, it could be fake. It got, there's a, you can check the show notes. You'll see it's basically an image that's going around that people have Screen saved, and now they just repost this image from when it was originally posted. You can make the argument morally that they're kids versus these adults, right? Like, I think you could, as a doctor, go, well, actually, our doctor, <laughs> doctors are even allowed to do that. They're like, you've lived a good life. They're like, I'm only 45. They're like, yeah, this little baby's nine. You know, I don't think doctors can necessarily do that. But you think about it like on a moral level, right? Let's say you're in a burning building and behind one door is an old man and behind the other door is a newborn baby. Who would you rescue? And the doors are also really far apart and the fire is really burning, right? It's super hot. Who do you save? Like what? And it's so funny. I remember when I was, was it sociology class? I think it was sociology class in college, or it might have been philosophy. I don't remember. They all kind of blended together. <laughs> they all basically just became one long class that actually, maybe it was economics, now I think about it, because it was an economic moral. The teacher said, he goes, on a pure, if you take the morals away, it's actually more efficient to save adults than children. Because even though it seems bad that you let this little kid burn to death, when you save an adult, that adult may be an engineer. That adult may be a firefighter, and then he can help you put out the fire and save the kid anyways. They go, we've already invested so much time and money as a society into an adult that it makes more economic sense to save a known factor, right? I mean, maybe the guy was a meth dealer or something like that. And the economics professor is like, I really need my meth to save that guy, save that guy. But if you saved a businessman, he's already been trained by society. He's already gone through all of this stuff. He's already paying taxes. Like an adult has already proven its value to society and is paying back into society versus a child is just this little ball of muscle and blood that we don't know what it's going to end up being. It's just like this thing, right? It's just like, you're like Jason, no, it's a little adult. It's a tiny adult. You know what I mean? Like, who's to, if you had an upstanding, you don't even have to have an upstanding. Let's say there was a guy who worked at a gas station named Tony. In a, we're back at the burning building with the gas station that's caught on fire now. You have a 28-year-old gas station attendant named Tony. And then there's a six-year-old. You're like, Jason, please stop talking about this. And then there's a six-year-old who is also about to be burned to death. 
the gas station attendant, he's already part of society. He's already like paying taxes and all that stuff. We don't know what the six-year-old's going to do. It's an unknown quantity. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think my economics teacher said this either. He laid it out better. He laid it out better. But my point is, is that on a moral level, I would say you save the kid over the adult. And I think most people would agree with that now. Not my my insane economics teacher who I might be misquoting. It's interesting. Here's a little side story for you. I remember when this happened, when I first moved up here, I'll, I'll try to find the article for the show notes. This was huge news in town. People were very, very upset. I remember being at work, sitting in the break room, and people were like, oh, I cannot, like, it was the talk of the town. People still talk about this. Someone mentioned it just two or three weeks ago. Couple years ago, this guy was driving in the car with his son, and the car went into the river, and the father swam away and got to shore, and his son died. Now, I remember sitting in the break room at work and people were furious at this guy. Furious. Because they were like, he should have done whatever it took to save his son, even if that meant he died as well. He should have stayed under the murky waters until they both died. I mean, that was kind of the... He basically was being called a coward around town. I never met the guy. I'll, I'll see if... I'll put it in the show notes. I don't remember the guy's name, but the moral lesson was, I remember sitting there and they're like, wow, people hate, and I don't think they really knew him, right? It wasn't like, oh yeah, he was always a coward. He he originally had five children and they all died by misadventure. It was just the fact that how could you swim away from your drowning child? And I remember thinking, it's quite easy actually. Like you, and I know a bunch of parents are typing out comments and emails right now, but I think your animal instinct would kick in. You're dying, right? You're in this dark water and you've got to swim away before you die, right? Before you suffocate under there or drown, I think is a technical term. And then, I mean, I think he just kicked in. But the idea was, no, he should have... And I don't think, like, the car just hit the water and he jumped out and immediately swam away. Like, from what I understand, the car was submerged and he, according to him, he did try to help the kid. But... It's interesting, right? Like, on a moral level, like, people hated him because he survived. He should have died with his child rather than survive without him. So I could understand you looking at this metric and you go, listen, I have this person. Let's take me, for example, because as much as I love physical fitness, I am overweight, right? I do love working out. But if if I went into the hospital and someone goes, this guy's 46 years old, he's 290 pounds, So maybe he didn't treat his body right, right? Maybe he's been eating all this fast food and he's obviously like drinking a bunch of milkshakes and stuff like that. I come out of the machine. I was like, okay, okay, I know I'm overweight, but I'm not a glutton. And then I go go back into the machine. They go, we have this guy who we can tell who hasn't treated his body right. I just imagine they're poking me with a stick. They're like, look at, look at how the blubber rumbles even three minutes after we've poked him with the stick. We have this guy who's obviously not treated his body the best. He's put on a lot of weight over the years, has a terrible haircut. <laughs> Something's wrong with this haircut. We can't figure out what that is. Here we have a nine-year-old boy who's healthy and can continue to be healthy and treat his body healthy. Who do we kill? I, again, I don't think doctors make that decision, but you could imagine that they do come across that. We have a hypothetical situation where we're breaking into a house 
and it's on fire, firefighters have to make that decision as well, right? Do we save the adult or the kid? And I think most people would choose to save the kid. So on that level, had this doctor just watched all this play out and go, you know what, the overweight people will make it on these machines, but if we don't put these kids on the machines, they will definitely die. That's a different moral argument to make, right? But to constantly call them fatties, which is what this doctor does, is constantly refers to them as fatties, and then to forge the paperwork, that's murder. Well, not the fatties part, you're not killing it, you're not a murderer because you call someone a fatty, but you have this situation where he's committing murder. He's, he changed the documents and then is convincing other people to go off these forged documents. It's a terrifying story. Is it true? We don't know, but it sounds true, doesn't it? It sounds true. It sounds like something that could actually happen, that a doctor... I'm sure there are doctors... Actually, I know there are doctors out there who have prejudices against people, whether it's their race, whether it's their weight, whether it's their religion, and they'll take that out on people. They'll take that out on their patients. And they just have so much power over you. I'm not saying they're necessarily going to be... You take home your medicine as much as Skittles. You're like, what? It's supposed to be heart medicine. Uh, and you die. But they could definitely mistreat you on purpose. Not like pull your hair. Call you names. This doctor was calling them names. But uh, not treat you the way you need to be medically treated. I don't know if it would... I don't know how often it comes to something this egregious where they're actually murdering people. I think that's fairly rare. But I, I'm sure that you do get... People, patients coming into doctors and the doctor's not liking them because of some sort of personal issue with them. They just don't like that person or they don't like what that person represents. And I think most of the time when it happened, you could just go, man, I just don't have a really good feeling from my doctor. He keeps giving me Skittles, which are delicious, but I kind of need my beta blockers. But in a situation like COVID where people were coming into the hospital and everyone was terrified and nobody knew what to do, People were figuring this stuff out day by day. That's when a doctor would have ultimate power. Power of life and death. And whether you agree that the children's lives were more important than the two overweight people, it's a moral discussion we can have. But he forged the paperwork. He convinced these doctors that there was no way to save them when there was. And he murdered them. He absolutely murdered these two people simply because they were fat. Cole and Danielle, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind this hospital. We're headed all the way out to St. Louis, Missouri. The reason why we're headed to St. Louis, Missouri isn't to watch baseball or whatever else is in St. Louis. We're there to go to a Nelly concert. No, that's not the reason why we're in St. Louis. Sorry, no, sorry, Nelly fans. St. Louis, Missouri, September 4th, 2022 is the date. We're at the St. Louis Chess Club. So we're walking in and we see a bunch of nerds standing in line and they're like, all of a sudden a montage of people like moving pieces around the board and some guy like going, no. And they're dragging him off into the back to kill him. You didn't know? This is a chess championship to the death. And that's not true. I'm just trying to make it a little more exciting before we get to the anal beads, because then it's just crazy from there on out. But in the beginning, we have to fight our way past security. We're kicking people, doing karate chops, and then we just go and we sit in the front row, and we're watching these two dudes move wooden pieces around the board like you expect. We're watching a showdown. 
We're watching a showdown, which is, again, another word that I can't believe we're using for a chess article. But a showdown between Magnus Carlsen. He's this 31-year-old dude who is currently on a 53-game winning streak. Magnus Carlsen's moving these pieces around the board, and he's playing against this dude named Hans Niemann. 19 years old, so big age difference between the two. And even though Hans Niemann is only 19 years old, he's been playing this game for a while. He's actually used to stream chess on Twitch. I mean, this is so... I don't understand why who would watch this on Twitch. You're like, oh, man, I want pins and needles. You're watching a guy go, your move. Uh, Anyways, chess, right? Uh, Chess playing. So Hans Niemann... Hans Niemann is a long shot to win this. Uh, He's actually, I mean, he's, let's put it this way. He's better than me. He's better than me at chess. I'm actually a pretty good chess player. I actually feel like I'm pushing these people around to try to deflect. I'm actually a pretty good chess player in real life. Hans Niemann, he's a long shot. He's a long shot to actually take this championship. And what's weird is they go, okay, so he's been playing since he was a teenager, but in a very short period of time, his ranking has skyrocketed. They said it's actually a statistical anomaly that someone could get this good this quickly. Hans Niemann's like, well, you know, some people are just born great. These guys are currently playing in this championship that the total prize pool is $350,000, and other nerds will know your name. From then on, you only get picked on by prestige bullies. People who really know what they're doing. So, they're playing this game. Hans Niemann is playing against Magnus, and it shouldn't even be close. So, when Hans wins in an upset, this was he was the lowest-ranked player in this championship, and he beats the guy on the 53-game winning streak, it is a huge story. What happens, though, is this theory begins to circulate in the chess community that Hans cheated. It's interesting because to get into play chess here, you have to go through some security measures. They actually have video, because all of this stuff was live streaming. They have video of um, these players having to go through metal detectors, and they have the metal wand going around, and Hans was holding a pack of gum, and they actually inspected the pack of gum. They have some pretty stringent procedure security procedures right to prevent cheating and it's weird because at first magnus was like i don't want to say anything because the kind of people assumed that hans cheated to win and hans's statement was kind of like i i feel like i'd get in trouble if i said anything i don't want to say anything so that actually threw more fuel on the fire like what does that mean he'll get in trouble if he says anything and then out of seemingly nowhere this meme started going around involving Hans, and you guys might have seen the headlines. Elon Musk was joking about it. The theory is is that Hans was using an AI to beat Magnus. But how would he know what the AI was saying? How would he know what the AI's moves were to counteract Magnus's moves? The theory is this, and to say, I'll be right up front, there is no proof of any of this, but people are thinking, how else could you have done this? You're in a room... And we can see we can see you. We can see everything about you. The only thing we can't see is your butthole. I mean, technically, you also can't see his toes or anything like that. He could have sensors on his back if he cheated. But the idea is this. Every time Magnus made a move, the computer was calculating what move 
Hans should make in return. And then his friend, Hans's friend, was then beaming the move into a pair of remote anal beads stuck up Hans's butthole, which he would memorize. The, I know this sounds completely ridiculous, but he would memorize the bzz, 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 bzz of the anal beads. And after after being like, woo, he would go, oh, rook to here. He's memorized the, instead of actually learning to be a good chess player, which we'll get to that in a second, he memorizes the buzzing of the anal beads to mean I'm going to move my queen here. And then Magnus makes a move. And then the friend puts that move into the AI, this computer, this chess playing computer. And then that computer tells the friend what to send to Hans's butthole. And so forth. And they said that is what could have possibly happened. There's no proof of any of this. Again, in between each move, Hans and I go, oh, there was no noises. His chair wasn't wiggling, anything like that. How they came up with the anal bead theory almost seems like just utter humiliation, right? They could have said anything. They could have just said he cheated. And then you could go, well, he could have done this. He could have done that. They went straight to the anal bead thing. But here, here's the interesting thing about this. He goes, Hans goes, listen, I have never cheated in an over-the-board game before. So why would I start cheating now? What would be the purpose? I mean, other than the $350,000, but I've never done it over the board before. So it doesn't make any sense for me to do it right now. If you guys want, we can play naked in a room full of cameras. It'll be, it'll be streamed on OnlyFans. I didn't do this. What's interesting is that's a very choice series of words. Over the board game. Because here's the thing. Hans has been caught cheating twice. Hans has been caught cheating two times. One time he was 12 years old and he was playing and he had a friend helping him out. And then when he was doing his Twitch, he was trying to build up his Twitch followers and he was cheating then as well. So... Uh, you do, you know, just just for you cheaters out there who are currently cheating on something while you're listening to this podcast. If you have a history of cheating, people are going to assume you always cheat. And that's kind of what came out here. They decided to do a rematch a while later, a couple days later. They decided to do a rematch. And this one was done over the internet. So you did have Magnus, you had Hans. And then you had officials watching this as well. But they're like playing from their bedrooms. Hans is like, oh, yes, home turf. He has all these sex toys laying around. He's like, how will I cheat today? Will I use the purple dragon? I'm going to stop making off sex toys. But anyway, so after the second move, Magnus just quits. He shuts his laptop and he just quits. And the officials are like, what? like, what is going on? How could this possibly? This is sullying the good name of the chess championships. We're all getting swirly tonight. The bullies are going to knock down the doors. Chess will be no more. What's interesting? So all of that is a fascinating story. A look at a subculture. The idea of that arms race to learn how to cheat and then counter-cheating methods and then more cheating than counter-cheating methods to the point that security is like checking people's gum packets, right? Because I'm sure they've been on the lookout. I'm sure there have been stories of people writing down little notes now we live in this sci-fi age where we don't live on the moon, but we have vibrating anal beads that can tell you how to beat chess. Again, we don't know like why that story is sticking around. It is pretty funny, but 
That's not the main reason I wanted to talk about it. I mean, it did have a lot to do with it. You're like, Jason, you wanted to talk about it because it involved butts. But I thought this was really interesting. I was reading this Gizmodo article by Kyle Barr. And I think this is what I was talking about in the intro when I said, how, how does this all, how does this affect our lives? He wrote in this article, he goes, talking about chess specifically, he goes, quote, what's happening is more players, especially younger folks getting into the game, are more apt to memorize opening moves and figure out optimizations by watching AI. So you would sit and watch simulations of these chess matches. And you'd watch them over and over and over again to the point that you can memorize moves and look at the best ones. You could run simulations and figure out what you want it to do. And, and so if you if my opponent moves a piece here, the AI says to move a piece here, and you just memorize that. And what happens is, think about what's harder, really what's harder, to have a strategic brain that can think five steps ahead, or to memorize things. Like, really, what is harder? If you want it to be a chess grand champion, do you think it's harder to actually be able to predict the future after the future you created, after the future they created, after the future you created? There's this chaos unfolding on the board. Or you could just memorize things, right? You could memorize layouts. You could memorize how the computer plays itself. You could even probably get move sets like they were let's say they were doing this allegedly right you would take a game of magnus magnus's game and you would see how he was opening and then run ai simulations of just countering that and then you do what step he normally does and then counteract that and counteract that you would just memorize the moves and i thought about that and i go that's fascinating that actually is more fascinating than the butt stuff because we talk a lot about the AI on this show. We use it as a catch-all term, right? I'm not saying that it's actually like this Skynet-level thing that's going to wipe out humanity, but we talk about this. So we have AI basically changing the way that younger people, the future generation of players, are even approaching the game. They're using AI systems. They're memorizing those steps, and then they're taking them to the battlefield. So in a sense, you don't have two human players. You could have two people who have just memorized AI games. So really, it's just two different AIs. It's two different computer simulations playing against each other with human hands. That doesn't affect us, though, right? You're not chess players. What's interesting, let's go back to that fitness board. I'll go there. I'll go there and I'll look for advice, right? Like, can you overtrain your forearms? That was something I looked up recently. Can you actually overtrain your forearms? And I posted that on there and someone replied, no, you can't actually overtrain your forearms. If you think about it, that's how peasants were back in the days, carrying bales of hay and barrels of slop and all that stuff. Your forearms, you can max out every single day and it's good for you. You'll get really strong forearms. Yeah, just do that. So I started doing that. I started basically, I started working out my forearms every single day. Now I alternate the rest of my arm, my biceps and my triceps and all that stuff. And then I do like chest and back on alternating days, right? And so today I was doing, I was doing those forearm grip, those, you know, those little uh, grasping 
I don't know chest moves and I don't know the equipment I'm using to reshape my body, but you know what I'm talking about? Those forearm grippers. And I'm pretty sure sure I blew out my right arm. Like my, and so I thought about that as I was walking home. I was like, man, I really was killing it because it was chest day and I do a lot of push-ups, and then I'm using these grippers and I was using them like three or 400 times. I was using them all day long, right? And I thought about it, and I go, I went to a legitimate health website, and they said, you can actually, your forearms are pretty resilient, but if you train your grip too much, you can actually blow out your wrist. You won't be able to hold anything for a couple days, because they hurt, they'll hurt really badly. And I remember thinking, wait a second, Jason, so you took fitness advice, <laughs> you took fitness advice from an anonymous website that also has an entire section dedicated to hating fat people. Why did you... Why did you think that that person anonymously posting online knew really the answer to your question? Now, there is a lot of good advice on there, right? But how much of it is human-driven? We talk a lot about the bots online. Bots everywhere, right? These bots posting stuff. We've done stuff about bots writing news articles. Our political opinions being shaped by an AI. And I thought, what if a robot, what if a robot told me the robot's like forearms can never be sore as these machines are constantly like lifting stuff up as they're building these cyber tanks? I thought I probably should have read that and go, okay, that's good. I should double check that with with a legitimate news website, hopefully legitimate news website, right? Again, these AI are putting these articles up everywhere, but you know, something that has like a human name attached to it. Maybe, maybe, maybe just try that. And I thought, like, I take fitness advice, because I do. I go to that website a lot, and I take fitness advice from a website where everyone is anonymous, and you can never... Well, first off, one of the guys is a murderer, right? One of these guys posting on here is a murderer. I, can you take this advice? Like, why am I taking advice from anonymous people? Now, again, most of the advice works. Most of the advice doesn't end with my wrist hurting. But is it possible that that's happening? Like, you do have people giving legitimate advice. Then you have bots just responding to this stuff. There is this, I don't even, I've never double-checked this because it's so ludicrous, but one thing that always flies around on the fitness board is the snake diet, where if you want to lose weight really quickly, this is, I don't even know if it's still up. I used to see it all the time. I think people... Realized it was a scam or everyone who believed it ended up dying. There was this thing. It was the snake diet where you would fast, right? I think there's a lot of health benefits to fasting, but you would fast. And then you wouldn't drink water anymore either, right? So you'd go two or three days without eating. And then you'd go, you could basically go three days without doing the two things humans need to survive, eat and drink. So you can go a long time without eating, but... The snake diet. And they would say, what you do here? I always imagined the guy talked like this. It was always a picture of some grizzled guy. He's a proponent of the snake diet. You stop eating for three days, right? That's just getting you started. You really want to kick it up? Do seven days. But And also, you don't drink any liquid. You don't drink any water at all. No Gatorade, no soda, nothing. I imagine his voice sounds like that because he has no saliva. And then... They had another step to the snake diet, which was 
to- this is why I was like, this can't be real. First off, they're getting people to murder themselves, right? You can't go that long without drinking. But then they go, if you really want to do the snake diet, you have to avoid water altogether. No showers. No baths. So you're not only are not only are you dead, you leave a really stinky corpse. I imagine someone in the Philippines, he's like, oh no, it's monsoon season. Oh, I just want to be on the snake diet. Was that a real diet? Was that a troll? Was that just, was that the very first fitness AI that didn't understand what humans need? It's like, you don't need food or water, but you can have all the oil you want. Drink it up. Drink up all that oil. And then you wonder, so you have AI infiltrating the world of chess, and it really could change the game. Like, eventually you won't have people competing against each other. And now we possibly have bots giving out fitness advice, or maybe I should just double-check my sources, right? Probably should have done a little more work before I did 400 grip grippers, whatever they're called. And then we have, I thought about this too, like, that's fitness advice. What about when it comes to life advice? Because we have that AI now, and it's been around for a while, but it will throw up random, seemingly inspirational quotes. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'll, I'll put some in the show notes. Some of them are funny. Some of them are creepily specific. But you start to think, like, what happens? We already have AI art being able to generate whatever you want. What happens when you have the AI just creating proverbs? And then you have the AI creating a website full of proverbs and then you have it link an instagram account and a twitter account and all of this stuff and it's pumping out these really quite inspirational sayings but they're not generated by a human that will affect people's behavior that will change the way people act. That may already even exist. That There may be lifestyle gurus posting on Instagram that's just these images, and the person doesn't exist. The advice they're giving is good. The, the end result may be good, but the lifestyle coach doesn't exist. It just knows that it gets tons of engagement when you're posting all of these inspirational quotes, and it's read every inspirational quote ever published on the internet so it can generate new ones. And people go, that's very interesting. I never thought of the world that way. No one did. No one ever had that thought before. That came out of an algorithm. It's not just changing the way chess will be played in the future. It's reshaping our bodies. It's reshaping our minds. And I wonder what the end result will be. I wonder if in our lifetime we will see the very first cult created by an algorithm. The very first internet, and it won't even be like, we're here to worship the internet, we're here to worship the AI. They will have a messiah figure, they will have photos of this messiah figure, it's all just AI-generated photography images. They'll have a messiah figure, they'll have commandments, a set of rules to follow, they'll have all of these procedures because it's analyzed every religion in the world, and it realizes that people love religion, people interact daily with religion, people will financially support their religion, and so the AI crafts its first cult. It has a very small but dedicated diehard group of people, and they never meet the messiah, just like most religions never meet their messiah, right? they believe in the teachings of this and it doesn't take off because the AI is still trying to figure out what works 
But when it does, we may actually see the very first AI-generated world religion. And again, I'm not talking something that's created by the New World Order or Project Bluebeam. It was not, there was no human hands that wanted to do this. No one was thinking, maybe we can do X. The AI, the algorithm itself, it's designed to get as many eyeballs on a piece of information. That's what it is designed to do to bring so many people to a particular point to get views. You have an algorithm-driven religion that appeals to everybody in some way, yet still makes enemies out of the other because the algorithm knows even though that doesn't make sense, it works. The steps are always the same. We discover the religion. It's perfectly designed for us so we become enamored by this religion. We begin to love Everything that this algorithmic-generated belief system has to offer. We become zealots. We worship something that never existed. Not Not even a fictional thought in a false messiah's mind. It never, ever existed. But it touches our soul in such a way. It knows exactly what we want from our internet search history. It knows exactly who we are based on the recordings of our conversations near any smart device. All of the information that makes up us is slowly being devoured by this ever-growing AI. It knows exactly how to speak to us. It knows what we love. It knows what we cherish. It knows who we hate. It knows what we wish to be destroyed. And we grow from someone who just randomly clicks on an ad because it catches our eye. Knows exactly what will get us to click on it. We go from that to hardcore worshipers. Seemingly overnight. We are followers. We are slaves. It answers so many questions we have just the way we want to hear them, just the way we expect the Messiah to be. It is so in tune with our soul. We can't imagine a life outside of this belief system. An AI religion would very, very quickly conquer society. Very quickly. It just would be too perfectly created. And it would enslave the world, not because it was on a quest for power, not because greed motivated it more than anything. This system could actually conquer the planet simply because it did all of that, simply because it was designed to do one thing, and it did it, to get the maximum number of views. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. 
Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. <laughs>